three negative feelings that can sometimes be good. You're listening to Psychology in 10 Minutes. I'm David B. Feldman. A couple years ago, I gave a talk at a conference for cancer survivors. In attendance were more than a thousand people in various stages of their battles against this daunting disease, ranging from those who had just received their diagnosis to people years into remission. Somewhat spontaneously, I asked the audience a question. What's the least helpful piece of advice anyone offered you during your cancer ordeal? Given the sheer number of people, it shouldn't be surprising that there was a plethora of opinions. But there was a wave of agreement that one of the very least helpful things they heard, often over and over again, was, look on the bright side. Just put your mind on the positive and everything will be all right. The main problem with this advice, the audience told me, was that it's simply impossible to follow. One woman said, quote, The more I try to force myself to think positively, the more I just feel like I'm lying to myself and the people I love. I think it should be okay to feel bad sometimes. Unquote. American culture seems obsessed with positivity. We tell people, have a nice day, when we depart their company. When we see them in passing, we ask, how are you? And we're genuinely shocked if they tell us anything other than great, good, or at least fine. Even if you don't remember most songs from past decades, Chances are you recall Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy, The Beach Boys' Good Vibrations, and Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful Life. It's what psychologists Todd Cashton and Robert Biswas-Diener call gung-ho happyology. In their book, The Upside of Your Dark Side, they argue that trying to be positive all the time can easily backfire. Quote, The tendency is to overlook the fact that happiness is sometimes harmful. Unquote. As just one example, they argue that being overly happy can actually make us gullible. In a study published in the Journal of Experimental Social Psychology, investigators asked college student research participants to watch videos of people denying an alleged theft. Some of them were lying, and some of them were telling the truth. The participants were asked to judge the actual culpability of the people in the videos. But here's the catch. Just prior to making those judgments, some of the participants were put in a good mood by asking them to watch a video excerpt from a British comedy series, whereas other participants were put in a bad mood by being asked to watch an excerpt from a film about dying of cancer. The results showed that when people are in a bad mood, they're much more accurate at detecting deception than their happy counterparts. While the participants in a bad mood were able to detect the lying at rates significantly above chance, people in a happy mood were no better than a coin flip. So negative feelings, though unpleasant, can sometimes be useful. To most psychologists, this is an uncontroversial claim. There is good reason that human beings evolved the ability to experience negative emotions. In measured amounts, they protect us from harm and help us to be successful. When our species, Homo sapiens, first emerged more than 200,000 years ago, dangers lurked everywhere. Our ancient relatives were probably just as likely to fall prey to animals as the animals were to fall prey to them. People who were capable of experiencing suspicion, fear, anxiety, and even anger would have been less likely to place themselves in harmful situations than those not susceptible to these feelings. 
we evolved the fight-or-flight response, for instance, to defend ourselves from predators. Psychologists today believe that many seemingly negative emotions can serve useful functions. Here are a few. Anxiety. Anxiety is the emotion perhaps most responsible for keeping us safe. Cashton and Biswastiner write, quote, In the early Sahara, our hominid ancestors lived in small hunter-gatherer communities and survived because of a specific set of anxiety circuits. Unquote. If our ancient ancestors were out gathering berries and encountered a grizzly bear, it would behoove them to feel anxious and even afraid. The ramped-up response of their autonomic nervous system would allow them to flee the situation. If you've ever avoided going down a dark alleyway late at night or prepared extra hard for a test because you were nervous of failing, you've benefited from the same anxiety response. Anyone who's been on stage knows that a small amount of stage fright can heighten awareness and facilitate performance. In one study, for instance, skilled billiards players were observed by an experimenter as they attempted to make as many shots as possible. At some point, the experimenter moved closer to the pool table and continued to watch intently. Presumably, being scrutinized so closely would lead most people to feel a bit nervous. When this happened, players' performance actually increased by 14%. Known as the Yerkes-Dodson Law, numerous studies now show that as autonomic arousal increases, so does performance, but only to a point. Too much anxiety can paralyze us, of course. Just like many negative emotions, the feeling itself isn't necessarily bad, but too much of it can be. Guilt We hate feeling guilty, that sinking feeling in the pit of our stomach when we believe we've wronged another person. But our desire to avoid the unpleasantness of this emotion is precisely what makes it useful. According to research, people prone to feeling guilty are less likely to drive drunk, use illegal substances, steal, or assault others. In one longitudinal study of jail inmates, for instance, Researchers found that those who expressed greater guilt for their wrongdoings shortly after being incarcerated were much less likely to re-offend in the year following release. To be sure, not all guilt is helpful. We all know people who feel much too guilty, even when they've done nothing wrong. Guilt can also turn to shame and self-loathing, which aren't very useful feelings. But in manageable amounts, guilt can help us keep out of trouble right our relationships, and ultimately, do the right thing. Anger Cashton and Biswastiner write, quote, Anger itself is neither good nor bad. It's what we do with it that matters. Unquote. The emotion of anger can cause us to become violent and hurt other people, but it can also motivate us to argue persuasively for our position in peaceful and assertive ways. In one study, for instance, experimenters asked participants to play the role of a seller, negotiating with a buyer. Their task was to sell a batch of mobile phones to the buyer, who they believed was another participant like themselves, at the highest rate possible. The better the deal they were able to strike, the greater the reward they would receive in the real world at the end of the experiment. Some of the participants in the experiment were led to believe that the buyer was growing angry with them, 
whereas others were led to believe that the buyer felt happy. The results were stunning. By the end of the negotiations, participants who believed they were dealing with an angry buyer offered their cell phones at more than 30% discount over participants who thought they were dealing with a happy buyer. Of course, there's a big difference between feeling the emotion of anger and its less intense cousins annoyance and frustration and acting aggressively. Violent behavior is never excusable. But as this and other studies show, just the right amount of anger acted on in a peaceful but assertive way can be a useful tool. So next time you call your cable, internet, or phone provider to dispute a hefty bill, remember that a little judiciously placed anger may help achieve a fair outcome. Nobody is arguing that the secret to a fulfilling life is to feel angry, anxious, or guilty all the time. In fact, Cashton and Biswas Diener propose a 20% rule. A healthy life, they assert, generally includes feeling positive, or at least neutral feelings, about 80% of the time, and negative feelings about 20% of the time. Clearly, most of us would prefer to feel happy, content, and satisfied 100% of the time. But negative emotions, in moderate amounts, are unavoidable. Trying to push them away ignores what they may have to teach us. Cashton and Biswas Diener write, quote, We know pain sucks. We're just arguing that accumulating emotions that feel good right now and avoiding emotions that feel unpleasant right now isn't the best strategy for living well. Unquote. Ultimately, in order to lead a good life, we must learn to deal with all our emotions, not just the happy ones. And it's good to know that even feeling bad can sometimes work in our favor. And that was Psychology in 10 Minutes. One of my favorite things to do is to make these episodes of Psychology in 10 Minutes, but it takes a lot of time and effort to compile the facts, write the script, and then record it. That leaves not a lot of time to get the word out about the show. So I could really use your help. If you'd be willing to take three minutes to write us a quick review on iTunes or repost this episode on your favorite social media, that would help new audiences that might be interested and actually benefit from the show find out about it. I really, really appreciate your help. Thanks for listening.